0: Yes, indeed, everybody. Yes, hello. We are going to need a comeback. We are in desperate need of a comeback after these last few market days here. My goodness. You want to talk about almost down 3% on the NASDAQ? You want to talk about down nearly 1% on the Dow, over 2% on the S&P? I'm going to call that a pretty bad day. That's my professional opinion. And I do have a professional opinion. For those of you who don't know me, my name is John Miller. I'm the host of Everybody Trades, this here podcast, as well as a YouTube channel. You can check all this out at everybodytrades.com. And here pretty soon, I'm going to have my portfolio available to all of my subscribers for a low, low price of $9.99 per month. And you'll also get an insider blog, as well as a email list, uh, email alerts, I should say, with all the trades that I'm going to make up to 2nd. You'll get all the information that you could ever possibly want from me. But you also have this free stuff, too, like my podcast. So we're going to talk today. Today, as I record, is Monday, April 2nd, the day after Easter. And yes, what a great little Easter present it was. A nice crap day in the stock market. But let's talk through this. Let's talk through this rationally. And let's talk, most importantly, about what we should actually do, what kind of action we should take tomorrow. Well, first of all, let's talk about the opening tomorrow. See, to me, the kind of volatility that we've had, and by volatility, I mean these gigantic up days, these gigantic down days that we've had really the last couple months here, definitely March, certainly February as well, after a gigantic, really winning winning January, and a pretty winning February as well for, for the beginning part, but... What we've seen here is is an actual legitimate change, and most of the change has been uh, at the very top in Washington. Now, of course, the president has not changed. Congress hasn't changed, at least the people in those seats. But I do believe what we have seen is a new Donald Trump here in the last couple months, and the market is reacting to these changes quite violently whether that's legitimate or not we'll we'll get on with that but i think the biggest transition here i think jim cramer actually on cnbc said it best we're seeing trump go from being pro capital to pro labor and this is kind of, I think this goes along with Trump just being a, maybe a little bit more comfortable being president, I guess. Because what we're seeing him do is we're seeing him go and put people in, in positions of power in his cabinet that are more in line with what he promised and, and campaigned about uh, during the run-up of the 2016 presidential campaign. See, he talked the, all this stuff, whether you agree with the tariffs on China, which which I don't. If you agree with uh, all of his saber rattling against Amazon, which I don't. Whether you agree with any of that or not, I, I think this is none of this should be that surprising if if you will take what he said during his campaign at face value. Frankly, trade these trade tariffs that he's talking about with steel, with the steel industry in general. It really is harmful. It's overall harmful to U.S. consumers, and actually it's harmful to the government themselves. Because for as much as they talk about the need for, for defense purposes, for national security purposes, for America to have its own steel industries, well, where are we going to get this steel All this is going to do is make the steel that the government buys for itself more expensive. So ultimately, we're costing everyone, including our own government, more money. But putting all that aside, the bottom line is is this kind of thing, while people who are invoking the Smoot-Howley tariffs of the Great Depression might be going a little bit far, I, I agree with that, we're already seeing some retaliation from China, and I really, that's the big reason why today I believe the market was down big, was mainly because China did respond in kind with some of their own tariffs on our products and restrictions. And by the way, the Chinese government does not need to announce every single action it's going to take against American companies that is, that is to be punitive. It's quite possible that they can do things under the table. They can do things unannounced. Why do they have to follow our laws? There's there's clearly no reason that they have to. So anyway, to make a long story short, we're seeing Donald Trump side more with with uh, labor, with people who are employed versus the people employ them, if you want to look at it that way. If you want to look at what government does as a no-sum, no-win-for-somebody battle, there's going to be winners and losers in any exchange, then then that's where this is shifting. You can see that with Trump replacing Gary Cohn with Larry Kudlow as the Treasury Secretary. You see, Cudlow is, is very anti-tariff, so that's actually kind that's actually contributing to some of the confusion and some of the selling that we're seeing here in the stock market. You're also seeing the likes of Rex Tillerson being giving his walking papers too. These are people that originally I'm not so sure that Trump really wanted to take, that his instincts may have told him not to take on his cabinet. And now I think he's just saying, you know what, the heck with it. I'm Donald Trump. I'm going to trust my own instincts. I think, I think that's where his head is at at the moment. Now, getting back to tomorrow's stock market opening, I, I really don't want to see, as much as I am long the market and another drop will be painful to look at at my gain and loss portfolio, um, I really don't want to see a gigantic... Up opening tomorrow, especially with low volume. I think people will be tricked out by that. But in fact, if there is more selling tomorrow at the open, I'm going to start looking at things that really have nothing to do with the tariff anxiousness that's happening and that sort of thing. And first and foremost, that means the stocks that if you follow me at everybody trades on Twitter, I've been pumping for months. And that's defense stocks. And we're talking the Raytheons, the Lockheed Martins of the world. Specifically Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman. And frankly I think my favorite right now is Huntington Ingalls, H I I. And that is largely in part because of the the conflict, I suppose you could say, that the United States is beginning to engage in with China. See, for a long time now, the United States government has claimed, essentially has claimed uh, dominion over the South China Seas. Well, guess who thought that they had dominion over that for centuries? Yeah, China. Exactly. I don't think that they're going to sit around and take that forever. And frankly, whether I'm right or wrong about that, the United States, its own naval fleet is actually, as far as its aircraft carriers, is actually at a fairly dangerously low level. We're at about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 aircraft carriers or something like that compared to 100 or so 50 years ago. That's quite a difference. And the reason aircraft carriers are important, that's the way the United States government is able to essentially project power, as the important term is. Uh, That's how they're able to essentially have land bases Anywhere on the planet. Now, the fewer aircraft carriers they have, the less their ability is to project power. And that's where Huntington Ingalls comes in. Now, the reason I think they're a huge winner, even though I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a fan of war or anything, here's the thing. I'm going to try to make money where I can. That's that's what we're going to do here on this show. We're not going to get all, uh, we're, if we're going to get into every single stock and the sort of moral ramifications of every single what every single company does, that would be exhausting. I'm here to try to make your uh, returns a little better. How about that? So anyway, sorry for that diversion. Anyway, back to my point. Huntington Ingalls—they can't lose because whether they sell ships to America, they sell them to China, they're going to sell them to somebody, and it's it's almost certain that America is going to build up or. China's going to build up and therefore America will build up right against them. That's just, that's the way this is going to go. I'd almost, I'm almost certain of it. The thing is, when was the last time the defense budget went down in the United States government? I think this omnibus spending bill is, is this surefire proof is it as much confidence as anyone could possibly need in defense stocks. I mean, for as much talk as there's been of Bitcoin and it's, Pretty meteoric rise over the last few years. Look at what defense stocks have done. You would have made a pretty penny if you'd have just been simply in defense stocks after 9-11. Once you, once you saw this whole buildup in the Middle East coming, if you could have seen this this policy, this never-ending war policy coming, you would be rich beyond your wildest imaginations. Now the thing is, you want to Buy low and sell high, of course, but it's okay to buy high and then sell even higher. We don't really care. We care where a stock has been, but what's really important is where it's going. You need the context of the past, but always keep in mind the future is where you need to be. Beyond defense stocks, I'd look at something like PayPal. Now, that's a great company that is on the verge of really taking over the world in terms of mobile pay with, by the way, paid, for those of you who are millennials, if you know what Venmo is, oh yeah, Venmo, big time. That is PayPal too. They own that brand. PayPal hasn't even begun to really monetize Venmo. That's the scary thing. The amount of potential there is is really awesome. So please look into PayPal if that's something that you're interested in. Then we've got Constellation Brands, which is another one of my favorite companies. It's one of the premier liquor companies in the world. It just reported a fantastic quarter. Now it's obvious it obviously sell- sells things all over the place, so you know tariffs can be a factor there. I wouldn't worry too much about that in their case. We're, we're not really we're talking we're talking alcohol here. The amount of growth in the alcohol business just worldwide is pretty astonishing. I mean, people like to think about how much Americans drink, well, look at, again, not to bring up China again, but here you go, but places like China, Vietnam, uh, these growth places, these high-growth economic places, the more developed a place gets, guess what? They start liking uh, higher grades of alcohol. They start getting into craft beer and your higher-shelf liquor and that kind of thing. So hey, STZ constellation brands. That's another pick for you. Take a look at that one tomorrow if the market tanks at the open. How about Nintendo of America, NTDOY? Yeah, the Nintendo Switch has been incredibly popular. It has absolutely crushed it. And while Nintendo hasn't sold off a lot here in the last eh, month or so, we're only down eh, we're down from a high of about 58 down to 55 so that's a decent pullback if you've been looking for an entry point but just keep in mind that that one is uh, done really well and there's no reason for it to have any pullback here really people are going to still be buying video games if you thought the switch was going to have a good year there's no reason not to believe that going forward oh hey it's wrestlemania week as well look at wwe stock in the last year holy moly vince mcmahon is getting richer yes he is and it's a good thing because, yes, he's trying the XFL again. But, hey, that's, that's going to be separate from WWE. They've managed in the last year to cut down their expenses tremendously in ways that the fans haven't noticed or really cared about at all. They're still getting their good product. But, I mean, that stock has risen from $20 to nearly $40 this year. But it's pulled back to 35 in the last month for really no reason. Now 40 to 35 might not sound like much that's nearly that's nearly 20%, 15-20% somewhere in there. That's a good pullback for a comp- for no reason. Like what is what does WWE have to do with Chinese tariffs or, or Donald Trump tweeting? Heck Donald Trump likes Vince McMahon. He took a stone cold stunner one time. Donald Trump that is. He took a stunner for one of their highest buy rates of all time. Linda McMahon is actually in Trump's, that's Vince McMahon's wife. He's actually in the cabinet. So really, no reason for that stock to sell off whatsoever either. So WWE, again, if the market tanks again tomorrow, to me that's that's an overreaction. And then of course, there's the big topic of the last two trading days. Amazon. Ah, yes, Amazon. Jeff Bezos, always making the news, always making us look at his bald head and his HGH-infused guns. And by guns, I don't mean weapons, people. I mean his biceps. I mean the 24-inch pythons, brother. But first, let me tell you about Comotion Dance. Yes, it's Mid-Missouri's newest dance company, and frankly, it might be their best if you look at the latest national dance competition in Davenport, Iowa, where they took home, frankly, just about all the gold you could, for what I could tell. So if your kids are three years old, or older, of course, not just three, we'll take older than three-year-old kids too, but three years old to 17, and hey, adults, you check it out too. Go to Comodance.com, that's C-O-M-O-Dance.com. So with that, Amazon. Gosh, I've kind of buried the lead here. My journalism, my journalism professors are going to kill me. But anyway, we're here, Amazon. To me, this was the most prescient take that I've seen from Amazon. It was from Fox Business's uh, Charles Payne. He's also he also has a site and a newsletter called Wall Street Strategies that you can find on at wstreet.com. And this morning he said, "quote I'm not a lawyer, but the more President Trump tweets about Amazon, the less likely there will be any action from his administration other than altering the contract with the United States Postals, Postal Service. End quote. Okay, I, I think that's a pretty good take. I would agree with that. It, it, in a way, if you think about it, the more Trump tweets about this, the more he sort of colors things, I guess. you know. Again, I'm not a lawyer either, but it would seem to me if we... He tweeted a lot about Lockheed Martin too, and about oh they're paying too much, we're paying them too much for this or that. What what came of that ultimately? Nothing, nothing major that I can tell. And I would guess that that's ultimately what happens with Amazon here too, despite his obvious personal animus for Jeff Bezos, who, for those of you who are unaware, also happens to be the owner of the Washington Post. Of course, the Post has been oh, the not so kind to Mr. Trump. Let's put it that way. But here's the take. Here's what's really important here. Again, Payne said the likely action here is that the administration will alter the Amazon's contract with the United States Post Office. Well here's what Trump said. He tweeted on March thirty-one, if the PO, the post office, if it increased parcel rates, Amazon shipping costs would rise by two point six billion dollars. The post office scam must stop. Amazon must pay real costs and taxes now. So again, 2.6 billion dollars. That's an important. That sounds like a really gigantic number to those of us in in real life here in humanity. But is it is it really a big number in, in it for Amazon? If you actually look at Amazon's market cap, their market cap is nearly $550 million. Actually, let me correct myself. It is $664 billion. Yes, that's that's about three quarters of a trillion dollars is what that company is worth. And yet, today, it went down about 5%. In the last, in the day before, you know, in a few trading sessions before that, it went down. It had another big five-six percent down day. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. The point is, let's stick with today. So, if the company, based on its market capitalization, which means the total amount of its its shares essentially is worth X, if it's worth two-thirds of a trillion dollars, well, obviously. $2.6 two point six billion dollars really isn't that much money then, is it? What are we really talking about here? Five percent of Amazon would be so if that'd be six trillion dollars is one percent, so that's thirty trillion dollars it lost in market capitalization in one day based on a two point six million dollar or I'm sorry, billion dollar threat. That's that's like a fifteen time uh, that's 15 times more than it deserved to lose there if you ask me. So to me if you've been looking to get into Amazon as an investment or if you've been if you're just looking to trade it here as something that has has gone down too much, maybe ride it back to 1600, buy it at 14, sell it at 15 or 1600, I would absolutely bless that trade. To me, that's just an easy calculation there. If even the president is saying Hey, we're going to, they'll lose $2.6 billion. Again, that is nothing. That's like the amount of money for Amazon. That's like what LeBron James finds in his golf cart. Let's put it that way. You know, that is if LeBron played golf, but you you get my point. And with that ridiculous statement, I'd like to just wrap it up with one final thought. Last week, maybe it was two weeks ago. There was much talk about the 10-year anniversary of Bear Stearns, the the investment bank that was allowed to fail, quote-unquote, by the federal government. And there was lots of talk about how in in this wake and with all the Dodd-Frank regulation and new regulation and all the ink that's been spilled about this entire financial crisis, in fact, all the major banks are even bigger than they were during the, the financial crisis. And there are even fewer banks than they were now and that much has been made of that. And I agree that that's a bad sign. However, what I would say is that it's not necessarily, at least in, in principle, the size of the bank that matters. No, in fact, it's it's the entire fractional reserve system of banking that we have in this country that's the true problem. You see, under fractional reserve banking, banking doesn't Imagine how it doesn't work how we imagine that it would. You see, we don't just deposit $1,000 in the bank and then the bank now has, in essence, $1,000 to lend out. No, what they have is what the fractional reserve means is the bank only needs to have a fraction of the amount of money that they lent out reserved in the bank. So, therefore, they can lend out far more money than they actually have in the bank because they assume, oh, guess what? Not everybody's going to come withdraw their money on the same day. But then the question becomes, what if they did? Isn't that the very peril of our entire banking system? Perhaps fractional reserve banking needs to end. Does anybody ever think of that? Chew on that for a while. I think that's a good place to stop right there. And I'm um, thanks for joining me on this inaugural trip. If if you've actually listened to this point, you're a really good friend, I'm pretty sure of that. So thank you very much and we'll see you next time.